Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever or whoever you may be. I'm Alan Arante, and this is the Recluse Podcast. Today's guest is Robert Manigo. He is a record producer, a composer, a songwriter, and a lover of music. The first time I saw him was on Instagram in a sponsored ad. I was scrolling through and saw this man playing bass with the fedora on. I paused for a moment, listened, and I just couldn't deny that bass line. It sounds something like this. So I reached out, we arranged for a meeting, and we had a great conversation. We talked about music, the insecurities that can come with being a musician, the influence of guys like Larry Graham and the Motown production team, otherwise known as the corporation. Robert was easy to talk to. He's clearly a humble man and a great talent. He says, More than anything, I love making music and releasing it to the public. I don't expect to become a big star. That's really not my intention. My goal is to release as much music as I can and share it with the world. His kindness, his confidence, and his passion for music are all inspiring to me. I hope we get to talk again. So without further delay, this is a portrait of your passionate producer, the awesome and electro-funkalicious Robert Manigo. Was that the year you were born? 65? No. Oh, no, no. I was born in, actually, I was born in 1958. Oh, no kidding. How's oh, that yeah. feel? I, you know, I'll tell you, I am, I'm going to be 62 this year. And I, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what old feels like because <laughs> I don't feel it at all. It's, you know, and I can remember when I was a kid and my mm-hmm. goodness, you know, 50 was half of 100 my sister used to tease, used to tease my mother about, gosh, you're half of a hundred, you know, or, or you're soon to be half of a hundred. And uh, to, to us, that seemed ancient. But now, my goodness, I, I'm thinking, my goodness, I'm, I'm not supposed to feel this. I'm supposed to feel like I'm some sort of old man. Yeah, I am. Um, and you'll probably think I'm a child. I was born in 1989, so I'm 30. <laughs> oh, wow. So, I mean, you, yeah, so I'm, uh, you know, quite a bit or not that much younger, but quite, oh, you know, no, you're I, quite you, a bit younger. <laughs> I, I have, I have two daughters older than you. So yes, you're quite oh, a bit wow. younger. <laughs> so let's see, that would mean that you, uh, do you remember when the Beatles first appeared on television? Do you actually remember that? I remember, um, I remember the era, you know, back then I wasn't really into music, you know, because mm-hmm. um, I think it was a 1964 something like that. Yeah, that yeah. Year. And um, and that time I was six years old and I wasn't mm. really paying attention to music back then. But I do right. remember I do remember how popular they were because they're on the radio as I was growing old, you know, and so they're on the radio. And, um, mm-hmm. and so, yes, I do remember how popular they were. 
I hear uh, people people around your age, maybe a little older, because people who are like maybe a teenagers when they first saw the Beatles on TV, they they reference their lives in two ways. They say my life was pre Beatles and uh-huh. post Beatles. So that was a really influential moment. It seemed like for for the world, if not just the country. You know, I'll tell you, it was. Now, when we talk about music now, and, and I know the Beatles were popular. Um, my brother, whom I look, I, I look up to this guy, even to this day, uh, my <laughs> older brother, he exposed me to a lot of music. He has this eclectic collection of music, and it ranged from Janis Joplin to The Doors, um, Jimi Hendrix, and um, and I first fell in love with music. I was about, ah, uh, I think I was 10 or 11 years old, mm. listening to, get this, The Righteous Brothers. <laughs> I, <laughs> I listened yeah. to The Righteous Brothers. My brother had two um, albums by them. One is uh, it's called Back to Back. Mm. And, um, and, um, and it had a, a, some songs on this thing. It's, um, it, Ebb Tide was on it. Um, uh, White Cliffs of Dover. And, uh, oh yes, you know. Oh and, wow, uh, White Cliffs of Dover. Why am I'm thinking of who is it? Eric Clapton or who's the guy who does? Uh, I think Cliffs of Dover. Oh, you know, I, I I'm not sure whether Clapton did it, but um, but but Bobby Hatfield. I tell you, his this guy has I think the one of the best falsettos ever. Mm. And when he sang this song, and 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 then. Of course, uh, Phil Medley. This guy has this this baritone, this soulful baritone <laughs> he sings, and and I and I, I listened to that music and I thought, wow, this is amazing. And then, <laughs> and then my brother also had this again. He had this wild collection. Have you ever heard of Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs? Uh, no, I can't say that I have. I can't no. say that I have. <laughs> and his, um, he, uh, I don't remember Sam the Sham's not real name. But his his uh, their music is sort of comical, and, um, and they, they like to, he liked to play on the, the the Little Red Riding Hood theme, you know. And he had the mm. uh, the one song called "Hair on My Chinny Chin Chin," you yeah, know, yeah. And, and the lyrics: "I swear by the hair on my chinny chin chin, I'm gonna find a way to get in. I'm gonna keep yeah. hanging around till I huff and puff and blow your little house down." You know, and I <laughs> love that song. It has nice. Beat. It has that early 1960s rock and roll beat to it, mm. you know, and so, and oh, yeah. yeah. So what, uh, I'm curious, what instrument did you start on? Let me guess, actually. Uh, did you start on bass by chance? Well, actually, no. I I started on um, electric guitar. Okay. And, okay. and, and now... I'm not a very good guitarist to this day. I'm really because what <laughs> happened is, I, uh, I I started on electric guitar. I bought my first guitar. I was um, 16, mm. and I played around with it for a while. And I played in church for a little bit. And then when I joined the <laughs> army, I um, I let someone in the church borrow my guitar and amplifier. I don't even remember when. <laughs> this was back in 1976. Okay, wow. haven't seen haven't seen that combo since. <laughs> and so, and for a while, I just um, I I hadn't played, and, and I and but I had, you know, and and you know, between that time, purchased several keyboard, and I say keyboards, you know, because they weren't real synthesizers at the time. Yeah, you yeah. Get these little electric keyboards that make these multiple sounds, and so I'd purchased mm-hmm. them and, and got a little better. 
on the keyboard. And then I bought a bass guitar. Mm. And um and I uh, and I and I got better on the bass. So uh, I'm better on the bass than I am on keyboards. Um and but I but but I I mostly use the instruments to compose. And mm. um and this is something my brother he noticed early on and he used to kid me about it. Because uh, when I when I bought the guitar, it was really I wanted to use it to learn music theory, ah. and, he, and he told me, "Man, you, you should concentrate on playing it instead of learning how to write music." <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I said, "No, yeah. you know." My my rationale is that you look at Beethoven, and and I, I love classical music, and I said, "You look at a guy like Beethoven; he can't, he couldn't play all the instruments he composed for, mm, but he just right. knew what he wanted to hear." And so I said, this is what I want. And this is that's another reason I learned to play a keyboard. And uh, and again, I'm not accomplished. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm best. I'm best on bass, second keyboards, uh, dreadful on guitar. But I can I can come up with the <laughs> I can come up with the sounds I want to hear. Yeah, I can uh, relate to that. I'm I'm a musician myself, but I'm not I, I have musician friends. And when I compare myself to them and how they play, I'm like, you know, I'm not really like that. Like they they can like I have a few friends who can play very well uh-huh. and I'm I, I'm probably good enough to play with them. But, you know, no, I don't know that anybody's going to come to a, a solo show of mine. I'm not. I'm, <laughs> so, I, so I can relate yeah. to that uh, feeling of being a composer as opposed to a real player. Yes. Uh, yes. Like I, I play a keyboard a little bit, too. And, you know, I'm almost a little embarrassed to tell another jazz key player that I'm a keyboarder or a keyboardist because how good the keyboard players are in jazz. You know, I'm nowhere near yes. that. So I don't know if you can imagine that uh, oh, yeah. maybe insecurity. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because I um, I would never ever. Con- <laughs> I don't think I would be able to join any band, you know, playing any mm. instrument. Now, I can. Oh, OK. Maybe I can carry my weight with the bass, okay, you know, and, and that's being very generous on my part to myself, you know, and but, um, it's, uh, again, I, um, and, and I guess I'm okay, you know, because it's the instrument that I feel most comfortable with if I were with, around mm-hmm. other people. Um, here, in my, <laughs> here in my studio, I um, mean, you know, I'm a rock star. Okay, so I yeah. <laughs> Well, all the instruments that I hear on your music, because I was listening to your album last night and and the singles that you put out um, on Apple Music, um, and there's a lot of instruments on there. Are you writing all of that and playing all of that, or are you sort of outsourcing the uh, the, the instruments? You, you oh, know, no, how are you no. doing it? No, it's it's all me, and most of the um, now the bass. Uh, there's most of us. I'm playing the bass and. Um, and but yes, I compose all of the music myself. Mm-hmm. I don't, uh, you know, I don't like loops. I mean, nowadays it's um, especially when you're talking R and B and hip hop, you know. And I mean, these guys create beats, and you know, they'll go and they'll sample music from other places, yeah. or or you can purchase beats if you want to use samples. I don't do that, to, and and I, you know, I don't criticize anyone else for doing that because if that's their thing, it's cool. But. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I have music in my head that I want to get out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, yeah. So, so when I hear a violin sound, you know, I, I want that. Even when I think of songs and, and, and let me, let me interject by saying this. I'm never going to be a star. 
I know this already, you know, and I am mm-hmm. never going to be it. And I, in fact, I have that on my profile. And now if, <laughs> and that's probably a very unconventional way of, 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 of pushing <laughs> yourself, you know, but you know, it's, and that's not what, I, not what I'm doing it for right now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I compose music because I love doing it and I just want to put it out there. And um, and I don't need to do it to to make money. And I feel sorry for anyone who wants to try to make money in a music career because nowadays it's just it's 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 difficult. Even the even the big stars aren't doing it, at least not from their music alone. And, right. Um, but no, it's uh, but to answer your question, yes, I'm I'm, I'm composing the music and um, and and I love to when I when I do the music, I do it on the computer and then print out the sheet music and just look at the the notation. Uh, I get a big thrill out of that because it's wow, what yeah, I've always, it's what I've always dreamt of doing. So how do you get to a point where you say to yourself, you know, I'm not worried about being a star, I'm not worried about the accolades and and any of that stuff. How do you get to that point? Because you know, a lot of people. Oh, that's all they want is to be a star. They and to be acknowledged and appreciated and loved and worshipped. You know, how do you get from to from one place to the other? You know, I tell you, what, I I I believe I started at that place. You know, because mm-hmm. I um and and I say that because again, I'm 62 years old, so I've read a lot and I've seen how stars are treated. You know, you for example, you look at Michael Jackson. I can remember when they when the Jackson Five first came on the scene. I can remember when <laughs> when the ta- when the tabloids loved him. He walked on water, and then I also <laughs> see how they turned against him. The same thing mm. happened. You can look at Michael Jackson. You look at Madonna. I love Madonna, by the way. You know, you can look at every major artist. It's and their time's going to come. You know, the, the media, the tabloids love them now, but that's going to change. And I I'm, I'm really an introvert, and, and it might not sound like it, but <laughs> I you know I don't see myself up performing in front of a crowd and doing that. I don't really want to do that. I love my privacy. Mm-hmm. I um, now uh, and ironically, I, I don't want to go out outside my house to be recognized. I do not want that. And um, so mm-hmm. again, but at the same time, I want to get this music out. And now, I'm really not an artist. I, you know, and I say I, I, I'm not a singer. I, you know, it's, but I'm all I have right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, all yeah. I, and I love doing it, you know, and, and a lot of, and I figure out my, my music, when I do record, it's going to be real. Yeah. I can go in and, um, and use a lot of, um, uh, and, and tune up my voice and make it sound synthetic, but you know, I want to be honest because of it, mm. uh, for the same reason that I'm not using just a lot of the um, just uh, minimal productions. And because if you listen to my music, you know, it's it's not minimalistic at all. It's no, it's, no. You have a full arrangement, you know, and that's the way I hear music. And so when I go in and I sing a song, if I go flat, that's flat, you know, and it's so yeah, flat. Yeah. You know, this is it's honest. So how do you get over that? I mean, that's I I've you know, I, I try to record my own music very simply, of course, with uh-huh. minimal equipment. But I cannot stand, you know, I, I'll record my voice singing to a uh-huh. song, you know, pr- prior to the singing. It's an amazing song. The guitar sounds yeah. beautiful. The bass sounds exactly. beautiful. The keys sound beautiful. And then I get in the, you know, get to the booth and start singing. And all of a sudden I, I can't tolerate the song. How do you I, so? Yeah. 
So how do you get over that when you feel like your voice isn't perfect or if it's a little flat or what have you? How do you get over that? Still put the song out and not kick yourself over it. Well, you know, um, you just do it. And again, it's now I if my dream was to be a star and 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 um, to be a guy, these guys like Jay-Z or Justin Timberlake and uh, which I would love to write and produce for Justin Timberlake. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah, I, that guy is amazing. Um, <laughs> he, that, Justin Timberlake and Macy Gray, those two. I would, if, if I had a choice <laughs> of two artists to work with, it would be those two. But anyway, to get back to your question, I um, because it's trying to be a star is not my goal. I, all I you know, I just want to get the song out there. And um, now, if if I had other artists to work with. And I thought about doing that, and sometime in the future I might do that. You know, maybe be a savant behind the mm, <laughs> some other yeah. person, you know. But I just <laughs> um, I throw it out there, and um, and it's amazing. I have gotten so much positive feedback from my music, I, I, you mm. know, because folks like the songs. They um, and you know, I want to put, I want to write real lyrics, and I don't, don't want to, I don't want to. My lyrics they don't objectify women. I'll, I'll, I'll sing about a relationship. Uh, I might tell a story, as um, uh, for instance, the song um, uh, "She Falls." Yes, um, yes. It's um, it's and that I that song it's it just tells it's a, it's it's a kind of a tragic story. Yes. And, um, but uh, and again, and that's a, but as far as um, I want to appeal to people who want to look behind, just the, who want to hear or hear the music behind the voice. Uh, and mm-hmm. you look at a lot of the. Bob Dylan, for instance, Bob Dylan does not have a great voice. He would never go on the voice and win. I don't know how far he'd get. But man, right. nobody can tell me this guy isn't fantastic. He's the greatest. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Um, even uh, uh, what's uh, you see, Bob Dylan, um, and a lot of the a lot of the classic artists, really, that I grew up listening to, they would not mm-hmm. win. They would they would not win um, the, uh, the American Idol or the Voice, but None of these, these, right. these contemporary artists can come near them. Right. Yeah, the Bob Dylan example is a good one. There's this um, song, and, and I'm sure you've heard of it. I think it's called We Are the World. Have, you, you know that song? Where like every star in the world is oh, singing yeah. on this. Oh, yeah. With the Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie yes. the song. And the, oh, yeah. Yes. And there's I, there's like a documentary on it. I think I think that's what I where I saw it. But uh, there, you know, Bob Dylan's in on that uh, session, uh-huh. and he is so tuned out, is like barely you know vocalizing at all into the microphone. It's it's really uh-huh. funny actually, and not to say he's not a genius, um, because I, I do believe he is. But but you're sort of answering that question for me, which is you know. How did he get so far? What's so special about him then, if it's not the voice we're hearing on the songs? Well, you know, Bob Dylan, he came up um, in the 60s. And I can remember during the um, during the 60s, the uh, Vietnam War was going on. And mm. um, and a lot of the folk rock and his his song, his music was categorized as folk rock during that time. And um, and it's it's just that people wanted pureness they wanted purity i should say mm. in the music and and you look at during that era you had bob dylan uh, janice joplin Jimi hendrix uh sly mm. and the family stone sly <laughs> stone's another genius you know and <laughs> uh, but it's the way they perform it's you know it's 
you listen to the songs, and I think Bob Bob Dylan. I think he's a poet. He's he's mm. one of the he's one of the greatest lyricists that will ever live. You know, but he right. also he also had his insecurities. You know, I uh, mm-hmm. I read a book by Clive Davis, um, who used to be president of the with MC, MCA Records. And there are times when he'd have to encourage Bob Dylan to continue working on music. <laughs> even, even even the major artists, they also suffer their insecurities. You know, yeah. so so I say that to tell you, you're not alone. So when you <laughs> you feel insecure about your music, and and sometimes I do too. Don't get me wrong. I um, I I don't want to appear overconfident or cocky in mm-hmm. any way. You know, but I'm just saying that it's good. I'm going to throw it out there. And it's right. So what? It's it's people are going to like it or they won't. You know. And, <laughs> and, and, and take an example. I know I ramble on sometimes. Look. No, at, no, it's good. At, you look at Thriller, Michael Jackson's Thriller. Well, that came out in 1982, and at that time, I believe there was something like four billion people on Earth. Now, Thriller sold something like 60 million copies, and at that time, back in 1982, I believe there. There were a little less than 200 million people in the country. Wow. Now, now you look at a, a, a record selling 60 million copies versus over 4 billion people versus uh, over uh, a, a little less than 300 million. A lot of people like that music. But guess what? Most people hmm. didn't. If you, if, <laughs> if you look at it that way. If you look at yeah, it yeah. Way. So no matter who you are or what kind of music you do, Everybody's not going to like it, but there is always going to be somebody who will. So have you had the experience of not putting something out and then later you thought, you know, what the hell? Why didn't I just you know, put it out? Because I, I have that feeling sometimes where it's like, you know, it's not the record I wanted. But what's worse, not putting it out or people or a couple people not liking it? Uh, oh, the worst thing is to not put it out not put it mm-hmm. out because you know you uh i have and i love to read uh thoughts of other people you know and then there's a school of thought if you for those who want to be an artist they say you know give the audience what they want and i think mm-hmm. that's hogwash i think that's hogwash <laughs> because if you're an artist you know um you take you take um uh, rembrandt did rembrandt go around asking people what they wanted him to paint no, mm. he paint, he painted he painted his several masterpieces and put it out to the world, and and a lot of them, of course, you know, a lot of traditional painters, you know, they were commissioned to do their work, but still, they did. Right. And then people came to it. He, um, and the Elvis didn't go around asking, "What do you want? What kind of song <laughs> you want me to do?" No, he put it out and he changed the world. So you never know. So I say, no. If 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 you've got music that you want to put out, put it out there. Do it. Yeah, that, and I sort of feel like that. I, I get that feeling with um, these interviews as well. Um, you know, I, I'm still new at this. You know, I don't know that I have the best method or, you know, the people that I find, you know, I wonder, like, are, are people going to find them interesting? But I've sort of, I'm getting to a place where I feel like that's not uh, my place to decide for people. You know, who am I to yeah. decide what's interesting to them and what they should listen to? All exactly. I can do is make it and, and put it out. And, you know, maybe, maybe people will like it. Maybe they won't. You know, it's um, exactly, that's exactly it. Uh, by the way, you know, I, I love your interviewing style. You're very easy to talk to. 
And mm. um, so I, I think, hey, I think you got this. You, I mean, you got this, right? So <laughs> I appreciate you, that. Thank you. Yeah. And as I, far as music goes, my goodness, it's uh, put it out there. And, you know, I did a YouTube video um, a while back, you know, encouraging people to release their music. And but don't worry if you don't sound like what's already being played on the radio. And then, mm. you know, oh, no. If now, if you were signing with a major label, they want to package and market you in order to sell music. You know, this is why a lot of the girls look the same. They're around the same age, they dress the same. Right. A lot of times the music sells the same because certain things sell. And mm-hmm. uh, but I I'm never going to be one of those. <laughs> and so I figure, well, I'm just I'm I'm, I'm comfortable with being me. I um, and I love working on my music from start to finish. You know, I just you know, and I do my own mixing, I do my own mastering. It, and, it sounds um, great too. Well, thank you. It sounds thank it you. sounds really good. And I'm just learning. I I'm just mm. learning, and I've been I've been working with my um, with this equipment I have right now, my studio for four years now, and um, and again I'm I'm just learning it. It's I've always had a love for it. And so I decided now I'm I'm going to do it. I'm at a point in my life where I can do it and have fun, and 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 I appreciate you saying you like it because that that really means a lot. And see, and that's that's what I aim for. That's it. Mm. it it's um, it, yeah. Well, I was uh, listening to um, well all the stuff that I could find of yours on Apple Music. That that's the only platform I have. Um, but I was really um, uh, impressed. I mean, it's that that's why I was asking you about. Like what instruments you play and, you know, do you compose this stuff? Because uh, first of all, it's it's pretty complex. It's there. It's actually an arrangement. It's not just guitar based drums. I mean, I'm oh, hearing no, oh, no. I'm hearing a lot of stuff going on uh, and it's oh, yeah. on time and it's and the production is great. Um, and so h- how long have you been a producer, even if just for yourself? How long have you been doing that? You said four years or that's just how long you've had the studio? That's that's how long I've had the studio. I have my my studio set up in my um in this house. This room was originally the media room, and uh, my wife and I we bought this house about ten years ago, and um, and it's a nice sized room and it's the media <laughs> room. And it, at first it was the gym that we have here, and so we put all that the um, exercise equipment in here, and all we did was collect dust. Meanwhile, I had my studio. <laughs> I had my studio in a spare bedroom and it was really my wife's idea. She said, uh, you know, why don't you move your studio in, into that uh, media room where the gym is? <laughs> and I thought about it. And I said, you know what? That makes all the sense in the world. <laughs> and so I moved the stuff over here and um, I set up all the equipment and, um, you know, I have a, a combination of outboard and, and most of the stuff is, is, is I've done, I'm doing in the computer, but I have my outboard gear also. And, and I figured, OK, I'm going to set this thing up. It's going to be a real studio. And, um, and so but, yeah, going back to the arrangement, it's um, I, I, I grew up again listening to music that was. Um, well, I listened to arrangements and um, my. I mentioned that my first influence was uh, the Righteous Brothers. But what made me want to become a writer and producer is after the Jackson 5 came on the scene. Mm. And they, they burst on the scene. And and not because um, I wanted to be like Michael, although I mean, that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I to, but it's that well, their music. Now, 
the first four songs, the first three hits were written by a production team, the corporation. Mm. And, um, and I, and, and I listened to their music, ABC, the, their first hit was I Want You Back. And the second yeah. hit was ABC. And the third was um, The Love You Save. And so I, I, I bought the, their albums and, and I always read the credits. I wanted to know who the music was written, produced and arranged by. And oh, really? Did, and my favorite, yeah, even from a kid. And that's what really got me into it. And, and so the, uh, and yeah, so you know, my your favorite your song si- by them was, by the corporation. Uh, and, uh, I was just going to say, so you're a kid and you're looking at the, you're thinking to yourself, oh, who's this Deke Richards guy? Who's this oh, yeah. Barry Gordy guy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Deke Richards. Barry. And see now, and I see the names, but at the time, okay, Barry Gordy, he was at the time, he was the uh, president and founder of Motown Records. And um, and so, I mean, I've seen his name around, but the other guys, Nafas Mazel, Freddie Perry, and Deke Richards, didn't know who these guys were. And um, and so Barry Gordy, he did not want their names disclosed because of the trouble he had with Holland Dozier Holland, who oh I mean they're my goodness, they're gods in music production. And what what was the trouble with that? What happened? Well, b- because they became stars. You no, know, Holland Dozier Holland, ah. they are responsible for the, uh, Motown hits for uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes, the um the four tops. Oh. And oh, oh God. yeah, those and you know they like the songs like "Standing in the Shadows of Love" um, and uh, mm. other hits, and so they, their egos became a problem <laughs> for Motown, and so and they they wanted more money, and they demanded certain things, and wow. so they they even went to um, they there were some legal battles also, so Barry Gordy decided that he's never again going to put together a production team that's going to let their egos get in the way. And so that's why when he put <laughs> together the corporation, he did not want to he did not want to reveal their names. He said, because now nobody knows who you are individually. Now or you can concentrate on being great producers. Wow. And it was and it wasn't until the corporation disbanded in 1972 that uh, that the writing, production, and arrangement credits were were, uh, were made to the individual writers no kidding uh-huh so what did these so like you know i i was watching a video and you you bring them up you bring up barry gordy and i think uh-huh. it's what Fre- freddie perrin and Deke perrin. Richards. Uh-huh. so so were these guys basically just musicians and genius songwriters is that basically oh, what they were they were uh, to me they were the best songwriters <laughs> and then again i was really into the jackson five music and the songs that they wrote and produced, and, and when you listen to their production, and if, if anybody, and I recommend anyone in your audience to um, go back and listen to as many Jackson 5 songs, find the ones that were written and produced by the corporation. And mm. you'll find the orchestration the, from the, the, the drums, the bass arrangements, the strings. There's usually some string or horn or a string and horn. Uh, like in the case, um, let's take the Love You Say, for instance, the violins. They're, they're not first or second violins, they're just first violins. And the violins come in towards maybe the third quarter of the song and just accent it just mm. perfectly. Uh, when you listen to ABC very closely, um, you can hear faint violins, and you know that. that I, don't know, I don't know whether you're familiar with the uh, with with either of those songs, ABC or I Want You Back. Yeah, 
I, I know them, but I, I can't say that I've picked up on the subtleties and probably subconsciously, but not consciously. Oh, yeah. And I used to listen to that. I just think, well, I can hear this, you know, and um, <laughs> with a want you back, you know, the different guitar tracks that they use and that thing. And then when the violins come in and that's that's what made me it's, it's during that time when I started becoming interested in specific instrument sounds. Mm. And so the corporation, again, those songs with the lyrics and the production and what really sealed it for me is Barry White. When mm. he, when he, yes, when he came on the scene, and and when you when Barry White first came out, I could not stand his music. <laughs> I could not stand his music, but and uh, but I, I remember this this first instrumental love theme came out, and I thought, hey, this is pretty good, and I didn't really know who it was by, <laughs> and then then I heard it was the Love Unlimited Orchestra, and then I thought, man, this is pretty cool. Then I learned the Love Unlimited Orchestra is Barry White's orchestra. And then I did my research. I found what Barry wrote, arranged, and produced this thing. Wow. And then, the, and then the second single release was a song called Satin Soul by the Love Unlimited Orchestra. And it was just amazing. And I thought, wow, this is great. And that's when I went back and I fell in love with all of Barry's music. Wow. So Barry White wasn't just a singer. Oh, no. Not at all. Wow. He was a master composer. <laughs> and if, and for anyone, again, I would encourage your, your audience to um, research the Love Unlimited Orchestra. Mm, Love Unlimited yeah. Orchestra. You know, Barry White had a female vocal group called Love Unlimited. And they were and he uh, he fashioned them somewhat after the Supremes. And, mm -hmm. um, his, and the lead singer was his wife, Claudine. But anyway, and. Uh, but oh yes, Barry White—he was more than the guy you play put on when you wanted to impress a lady. Oh, <laughs> oh no, no kidding! Wow, I, I'm uh, pleased to to know that. I didn't know, uh, you know, because uh, you know, a lot of times you might assume that he—they're just like the talent, they're just the singer. But it's uh -huh. really awesome to know that they're also the genius behind it as well. That, that's really pleasing to know. And his, uh, his, I, his nickname back then was the Maestro, back in that <laughs> during that time because of the orchestra. Yeah, rightly so. I mean, that yeah. sounds like he uh, earned that name. He did. Uh, in, term, in terms of arranging, I, I guess this isn't so much an arrangement question, but I was wondering, um, bass, a yeah. lot of people, including my wife, um, they, they usually can't really pick out the bass. You know, people who aren't musicians, you yeah. can show them a song and they won't necessarily know what the bass is doing, if it's even there. Uh, I would like to think that I can pick up on it now, now because I'm a musician. But I, so I'll, I'll pose the, the question simply to you. Uh, how, how important is the bass in a song? I think it is. Well, it depends on the song. Really, it depends on the song and it depends on the genre. Uh, now, from a traditional standpoint, the bass is supposed to, they call it the bottom. You know, the bass sort of carries mm -hmm. the bottom. And it's 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 it contrasts the tones you hear from the midsection and then of course the treble section. And you should be able to, if there's a bass in a song, you should be able to just listen to that bass and maybe the drums. Bass and drum alone should be able to carry a song by themselves. Mm. And uh, because it it really kind of gives you feel it. Now, a, a lot of producers will say, and I agree that the other instruments you hear, the bass is what you feel. Mm. And, and that's going to give you that feeling when you and then because if you go to a dance 
Uh, even even if a song that doesn't have a, a bass guitar in it, but if, if it has just a bass synthesizer, and yeah. you go to the you go to you listen and watch people dance, you notice they're moving <laughs> to the bass. They're moving <laughs> to the bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. I the you know I the first the the way I uh, noticed you even existed was uh, I saw. Uh, a sponsored video on Instagram of you. I just, all, I'm just scrolling through, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I see this man with the bass, oh, and yeah. you're kind of, you're kind of just pumping your fists a little bit. You know, there's like a backtrack going on, and the bass hasn't kicked in yet. You know, you have the bass in your hand, and all of a sudden, all I hear is boom, 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 but a bump, boom, 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 and you just start playing the bass and wailing on this thing, and uh, oh, I, it, yeah. I, I literally paused and just. Listened. I mean, so yeah, I, I love bass. I'm not a bassist myself, um, but I love almost more than anything when a bass line just captures my attention, and and that particular clip really did. Uh, I'm happy oh, that's yeah. the first thing I saw. I'm glad too. That was, in fact, another one. It's um, that was the song. The working title is um, "Jerking Around," but I'm working on it, and the the uh, the finished title is. Funking around, <laughs> and, and and the reason in is uh, and and of course you know I grew up in you know in the sixties and seventies you know and funk was a was a was a genre of music, and um, George Clinton, the Parliament Funkadelic, they're the ones who originated. Well, George Clinton is the one who originated the the, the good funk sound, and then you have Rick James and and and, mm. and Prince when he first came on, he was known as a funk music. And so, because <laughs> on that one, you notice that I'm, 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 it's, I'm, I'm thumping and slapping the bass. So yes, and yes. So, and um, and I, it, it, it's that's one that again, when I started working in it, it's it's one that kind of you kind of feel, uh, and um, in the event I am going to release that when I'm done with it. But it's just that in my case. I rarely start on one project and stick with it until it's done. <laughs> I'll start out. And that's the disadvantage of having uh, a studio and having everything on the computer. <laughs> you know, one time back, you know, when, when, when it was a completely analog world, if you wanted to go from one project to the next, you had to change tape oh. and you know, change tape and then set everything <laughs> up. And then it's a hassle. But, you know, on the computer, you just close one file and open the next one. And there you are. <laughs> yeah, it's a both a, a both a blessing and a curse, I guess. It is, it is, you know. But I wouldn't change it. I, I would, I would not want to uh, want to hassle with. And I, I do have a tape deck here that sometimes mm-hmm. when I record music, I mix it and record it to the deck. But right, I would never right. want to have. I would never want to have to record that way. Yeah. So in terms of a funk, it would you say that uh, slap the bass, uh, slapping and thumping is that a hallmark of funk? You know it is, and it the one who started doing, and I think is the best at it. And and to me, he's a bass god. Is Larry Graham? <laughs> Larry Graham. Mm-hmm. Larry Graham. He used to play with the band called Sly and the Family Stone. Mm-hmm. And Larry went, and when he played with Sly, I mean those guys are great. The Sly, um, Sly is considered one of the original funk masters, and he came before George Clinton did. <laughs> So Larry did it. And so when Larry Graham left Sly and the Family Stone, he formed his own group called Graham Central Station. And mm. that's when he really started uh, with thumping and slapping. And, and again, I would recommend anyone to look up Larry Graham. Now, here's a fun fact. Uh, Larry Graham, 
greatest bit get uh, the greatest bassist ever. Um, he has a very very popular nephew in the music business right now. And who's and that? Nephew, Drake. <laughs> Drake. No uh, way. Yeah, Drake no is, kidding. Uh, yeah, Drake is uh, Larry Graham's brother's son. Larry Graham, because you know Drake's real name, I think, is Aubrey Graham. <laughs> yes, and yes, Drake is Larry Graham's uh, nephew. No kidding. the The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And, oh, not at all. And I and I was wondering, man, you know, Drake, but he's got his uncle there. And, and he can really break out because you know Drake is good. I like his music too, but you know it's. It's he does he does what everybody else does. Only he does a little bit better than most. Yes, yes. Really, I would love to do a production with Drake and Larry because if it would you can mm. do some you know slap bass in music right now. I mean, I, I, I've had these ideas that those two could work together. Oh my goodness, they could come up with something mean. Just, <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah, that 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 would be awesome, just for novelty's sake, just to see what you know, uncle and uh, nephew could do together. Oh man! Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that would be fantastic. So, you know, I, I you know, you, you know, like I said, I'm a little younger. I I don't have that much experience with funk. I'm sure if you uh-huh. played, you, you know, if you gave me a, a playlist, I I would probably recognize and like the songs. But we're in we're in uh, 2020 now. Do you think is there a place for funk in today's world? I think so. I, you know, um, because I think every now and then you get some old style music, and 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 if someone does it, uh, it'll sound brand new, you know. And and I'll give mm. you an example. I'll give you an example. Um, ah, what's the gentleman's name? I, I'm thinking about all of these artists right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who's the guy that did Uptown Funk? And uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it couldn't be Mars, uh, Bruno Mars, right? Oh, Bruno Mars, that's right. Bruno oh, Mars. Okay. Okay. Now you take Bruno Mars, his his latest album, the one with uh, with Twenty Four Karat Magic. Yeah, and yeah. It, and if you listen to that music, I mean, Bruno is great. I I love I'd love to work with Bruno also. And if you listen to that album, you can go back to the eighties and listen to a group called New Edition. Mm. That album is, you know, it's 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 he borrowed a lot of elements from New Edition. And there's not a whole lot that is new. It's just a lot is being done differently. But if you were to take something and perhaps call it new funk, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, not, yeah. Certain certain are not certain artists could pull it off. Uh, you've got um, the weekend, for instance. The weekend, his new song out. Oh uh, yeah, called Blinding Light. Well, that sounds mm-hmm. like something. You listen to the production and, and the instrumentation. That sounds like something from the nineties. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. You know, and um, so I think. So I guess uh, the more accurate answer to your question is: it all depends on who does it. Some people <laughs> do it. <laughs> wow. But I think no. But when I listen to it, you know, um, of course it's going to sound good to me because it just I can feel it again. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, it it that music is more energetic than let's say just going on a dance floor and hopping up and down. I, I don't know whether that's really mm-hmm. goes on in dance clubs, you know, but right, it's right. music that you can feel. And it's, if, if you really like to dance, it's almost impossible to listen to a good funk sound <laughs> and still and, and not get up there and dance. It's just hard to do. You're right. That's um, I love that. I, I love f- finding a song or hearing a song. You know, I'm just walking around the supermarket or something or in a library or somewhere 
And just hearing a song, like I'll, I'll say it to my wife all the time. She'll she'll be in the living room watching a, t- a TV show or a, a commercial comes on or something. And I have sometimes I have to get up out of my seat from the other room and just come in and be like, you know, wow, what is this? This is good. Um, oh, yeah. I really I love that feeling of a song just moving me, literally moving me. Yeah. You know, and, and there's nothing like it. You know, now, before I forget, let me ask you now. It sounds to me that you are also a songwriter. Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, the, the insecurity creeps in when you ask me that. When you say that, I, I'm almost, uh-huh. I'm tempted to I'm tempted to say no. You know, yeah, I've written a song or two, but I'm not very good. <laughs> that, I'm tempted to say that, but yeah, I would, for better or for worse, yeah, I would consider myself a songwriter as well. Mm, so, do you plan to release music anytime in the near future? And I hope your answer is yes. I, I've released, um, I guess you could say technically, yeah, I've, I've released almost everything that I've written. I recently, you know, with the pandemic going on, I've had all this free time and I've written a lot of short, um, I guess I would call them maybe mini, like mini albums. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll send something your way. I, I, I like to to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. there's a particular record I think you would like um, because I, I love I just love music. I love uh, metal. I love classical, jazz, rap, uh, fun. I, I love it all. Um, so I would guess there's some stuff of mine that you wouldn't like. I, I like I have some oh. really heavy music. Um, but then I also, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll send something your way. I, I think you'd actually appreciate my um, my jazz record. Uh, and I, and I do all the music, I, I wrote it and I recorded it and I played the instrument. So I, you'll probably appreciate yeah. that because it, you, you do that as well. So exactly. You know, I'll tell you, see, cause I love all genres. I grew up listening again, you know, I mean, uh, my three dog night, uh, <laughs> my, uh, all the groups, like, I grew up listening to all Creed's Clearwater revival. My goodness. Mm. I mean, and that's, that's, that's a group name you don't hear too often, but these guys are just fantastic. You know, and, um, <laughs> But yeah, it's about the music itself. I just and I love hearing all kinds of music, all kinds of new music. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I um, you know, it's it's I, look. I'm gonna say like if I if I if I release my music, anybody should release their music. <laughs> I get it that way. You know, <laughs> I mean, your your music's really good though. Uh, you, you know, it, it it's really good. I I'm I'm very surprised actually that you. Eh, I don't know about su- if surprise is the right word. But it, it's interesting to me that um, that you say that about your music. You know, if, if I can do it, you can do it. Only because I listen to your stuff and I think, like, wow, this is complex. The production's great. It's funky. It sounds good. So it's funny that I, I, I like that about you. Now that I think about it, that you you're willing to uh, tell somebody that you know, just do it. it I think yeah. we need more people like that in the world. Yeah, you know, I tell you what, and we need people to be themselves, you know, because I don't want to, I don't want to hear somebody who sounds just like Drake or somebody who just sounds just <laughs> like Jay Z or you know, or Justin. I mentioned Justin before, just I mean, and love Justin, but you know, those guys are there, Bruno Mars, you know, and those guys are already there. They're doing Taylor Swift. That's one reason I, I love and respect her because she is a writer. She's she's an artist. Mm. And and she's just not some she's just not manufactured. At least she doesn't appear to be. And she seems to be someone who's in control of herself. And um, and I know oftentimes she's been criticized about or or ridiculed about writing about breakups and exes. But mm-hmm. you know she is a very intelligent 
thoughtful young woman and not only someone who is music I enjoy listening to, but a person that I can respect because yes. uh, you know, she, I, I watched this documentary, I think it was on, Net, on Netflix and, um, and to get it, and you get a chance to see a little more of her. And I thought, my goodness, you know, there is more to her than just being an artist. Yeah, I, I saw a little bit of that, too, recently, actually. And I, I've, it's interesting. I've sort of, um, you know, she's been around for a while now. Yes. Uh-huh. And and I, I think I was that person before who would not necessarily criticize her, but I would sort of look at her and be like, yeah, you know, that's standard. Yeah, she's OK. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, yeah. you know, I bet people are writing her music and, you know, just, uh-huh. judge, you know, misjudging her pretty much. But in the course of a few years and especially after seeing some of that documentary, I'm like, and I just look at her now and I'm like, wow, she, you know, she's fantastic. She's she a is. genius. She's strong. She's confident. She's a good role model. There's nothing wrong with her. There's nothing wrong with her at all. You know, so, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, and this, and I tell you what, I enjoy meeting people who actually like yourself, who are, who are composers, who are artists. And, um, and I, you know, one, one thing that keeps me going is I love listening to, music. I love listening to other folks, but I try my best. I don't always succeed, but I try my best not just not to compare myself to <laughs> other folks. You know, and it's I hard. My, it's hard. But you know, I, I remind myself that that person is who they are. And, mm-hmm. and but I've got to be me because you never know when I might release that one song that's going to inspire somebody else to mm. release their song. And you know mm. maybe three maybe three artists down the line somebody's going to hear something that I inspired the person before him and the person <laughs> person before her and mm. to create something this that's going to totally change the world you never know yeah I yeah absolutely I uh I I, I love music for a lot of reasons but I, I'm sort of reminded of one one important reason. Music, uh, it's almost a, a form of, this is a little bit off topic, but music is almost a form of time travel. I'll, uh-huh. I'll listen to, uh, an, like the first music. I mean, I, I love music for ever since I was a kid and, uh-huh. uh, like my, my mom would play doo-wop and, you know, gangster rap. And I love both of those. Yeah. <clears throat> I love both of those a lot and country. Yeah. Even my grandparents played country, but the first group that I got into as an individual, you know, a group that no one told me to like, but that I liked was, uh, was actually Justin Timberlake's group in sync and uh-huh. their, their first record. And it's almost, emba- I'm embarrassed to tell people, you know, not really embarrassed, but it's almost embarrassing to tell people that that was my first favorite group. And I can actually still play that first record and love it. <laughs> and you know, I, I love it still. Yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's absolutely nothing, you know, because no one should ever let anyone else tell them what music they should or should not like. And again, not everybody, and I'm glad not everybody's doing the same thing. I like I like country too. In fact, the first country song that I liked was a song by Glenn Campbell. And I, I remember buying the record and, and it was um, a song called Honey Come Back. And, uh, and the, I, when I first heard that, I just fell in love with it. And I wasn't even a teenager at the time. And he, I played that song, and, um, and, I, and I played that song over and over again. And then, um, <laughs> I, yeah, and I, oh, this is pretty cool. Then uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Roseanne Cash. She's the daughter of Johnny Cash. 
Oh, no, no, actually I haven't. Oh, wow. My, back in 19, I think it was 88, she had this one song called um, I Don't Know Why You Don't Want Me. Hmm. Beautiful song. Love that song. You know, um, so it's and my only point is if anyone listens to any only one genre of song, they're, they're really cheating themselves because, you know, music is, is truly a universal. I think there are only two universal languages, numbers and music. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, yeah, there's yeah, I love bonding. Actually, now that I think about it, a lot of my uh, friendships and even just relationships in general, one of the uh, cornerstones of those relationships is music. Uh, uh-huh. Where you know, I, like there's this uh, band. I, I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're they're. I guess you would consider they'd be considered a progressive metal band. They're called Between the Buried and Me. Have you ever heard of them? No, I haven't. I mean, they they have a lot of heavy parts, but they're just fantastic musicians. And uh, and they have this album called Colors that uh, my buddy and I, we just have bonded over it for the past 10, 12 years. I mean, it's it's one of those albums where you listen to it, and even after 10 years, you're mm-hmm. noticing stuff for the first time. You know, oh, yeah. oh wow, oh, yeah. that bass line, oh, that little synth in the background. You know, it, it's it's awesome to, to discover new things in music that you've been listening to for years. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and... It's, and that's one thing I love about music production, and and especially for those who like to arrange the music, you know, because it, it, it's um, and you know, I like to call it little ear candy. Whenever you produce something and people are listening to it, you know, and and a large number of people listen to the music wearing headphones, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. you know, and so, and I think okay, <clears throat> when if I'm producing music, I want to. I want to produce something for them to listen to. I want them, I want to tickle the ear with us some things, you know, maybe, <laughs> so, you know, and make that little ear candy because it, and they make it kind of interesting. Um, because, you know, if, again, if, if uh, with any song, basically, if you have just a rhythm section, I mean, bass guitar, and then maybe um, a keyboard, piano to carry the melody, that's all you really need. But you want mm-hmm. more than that, you know, you because it, it that's all you need. But you're not going to bring out the feeling of a song, and especially if it's your own song. You know, you, there's a certain mm. feeling that you want to convey. And you do that by adding a little ear candy here and there, you know, add a little string there to bring out the emotion. Yeah, yeah. If, if you want if, if if you're if you're. If you're emphatic about something, put a little horn in there to say, yes, this is what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah, I um, yeah, I, I, I love, again, just to restate, I, I just love being moved by a piece of music. It, yeah. You know, there, there are just some songs and maybe sometimes it's even just one line that I just uh-huh. that just appears. It just uh, appears in my mind. For instance, um, God, I'm, I'm, I can't remember the name or who the group is, but you know that song um, where the, the chorus is, I only have eyes. Oh, yes, yes. Uh-huh. You know, every time that chorus comes, it just appears in my mind every now and then because of how beautiful it is. It's a, it's a beautiful song. I, and the song is, I only have eyes for you. And, um, mm-hmm. and it's, it came out in the um, I think it's late in the sixties, it was originally written in the sixties and, um, and, and a number of artists have covered that song, but yes, it's a beautiful song. That yeah. Is, there, is timeless. 
Yeah, maybe you could uh, maybe you could put together like a playlist for me. I, I'd love like a twenty song playlist, just songs that influenced you that that you love still. Um, I'd be really interested to hear a, a playlist okay. from you, actually. Okay, you know, I, I'll tell you what, I can do that. Sure, it's um, yeah, like you like you said, Larry Graham, and you're just mentioning oh, these people. Goodness. It, it <laughs> I mean, even if it's a hundred songs, I, I I'd be interested in a playlist <laughs> of yours. <laughs> Okay, I I, I I can put together. I'm, I'm not sure when I'd finish it, you know, because I want yeah, to yeah. like just the right songs. But yeah, it's um, yeah. and I'm pretty sure you and I will stay in touch because I, I uh, yes yes I wanna, and because I know you're going to be doing some more music in the future, hopefully. And mm-hmm. I'm going to subscribe and listen to your podcast, so I'm going to always be listening. Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, I think it'd be like I, you know, it's coming up to an hour and that's usually where I like to pause things. But I think I don't, maybe in the future, maybe we could do this again, actually. Listen, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I had a blast. I got to tell you, I'm, I, this is a lot of fun. You know, it's, um, and I can say I can talk all day long, but I know we both have things (laughs) to do, but yeah, this has been a lot of fun for me. I I appreciate you inviting me. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's, it's always such a pleasure when, I can talk it when I can talk to a stranger and we, there's just chemistry. It's like the universe just brings us together. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I wish the whole world can, can realize that mm. it'll be such a better place if people can realize that there's so much that, that can bring us so many beautiful things that can bring us all together. Yeah. Especially music. Oh, all yeah, right. I have, absolutely. I have one more question for actually. Yeah. One more question for now. Sure. Maybe, sure. maybe the most important question that could, that can be asked by any individual. Uh huh. How do you make the perfect tea? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that because you know the world doesn't know. The world just it's, 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 this is very complex. And I'll tell you what now. Um, all right, here's what you do. First thing you should never do. <laughs> and I know why you asked the question because of the video. I know. Yeah, yeah. Instagram video. Yeah. Never boil. <laughs> never boil water. And you know. Hot tea, if you boil water uh, or put tea bags to hot water, if that's only if you want doggone hot tea. But never, if you want iced tea, simply put tea bags in the water. And <laughs> I like to use mason jars in the family size tea bag. It could be a Lipton, it doesn't really matter. Place that tea bag inside of um, a mason jar full of water and just let it set. Now, you can let it set all day long. It's never going to get too strong. And it's never going to get um, foul tasting or unpleasant. And you know, it's just. But anyway, just let it just settle for about maybe four or five hours, and there you have it. Mix it, mm. sweeten it, sweeten it any way you want to. It's the perfect iced tea every time. And you know, and I remember when I learned to do that, it was I learned to make sun tea because what you do is you place water in a jar and set it outside. And, you know, the water gets warm from the sun shining on it. But mm-hmm. I discovered, and I'm pretty sure nobody else knows this, <laughs> but I discovered that all you've got to do, if you put water, uh, put the tea bag in water and let it set on the countertop, it's going to become tea. So it doesn't really need any kind of heat at all. Mm. So, And I'm telling you, if you do that, you're going to have perfect iced tea every time. <laughs> Robert, uh, I think we should definitely do this again. Uh, it was a pleasure. I learned a lot. Um, yeah, I would just like—I would just like to say that um, I appreciate and value your your 
confidence. I know you said, you know, you're more of an introvert, but your, your spirit and your confidence and your, your skills and your music, it's, it's, uh, it's inspiring. And I, I, I would just like to say that to you. And I hope you know that. I, I sure appreciate it. I do appreciate it, Alan. Thank you so much. Thank you.